You're listening to Interviews, the podcast that cracks the entrepreneurship code. I'm your host, Laurent Autain. I'm an entrepreneur, coach to entrepreneurs, and startup mentor with more than 20 years' experience running companies and advising entrepreneurs. Being an entrepreneur is the most difficult job there is. There are no practical guidelines. So join me every week and learn how you can better navigate your entrepreneurship journey and become an exceptional entrepreneur. Hi, this is episode 98 of Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. Trace, Tracy Bissett is with me today. She's the founder and chief financial fitness trainer of Bissett Financial Fitness. She's a skilled financial professional with 20 years of experience, a current professor at Centennial College, and the host of her own podcast, Young Money. She teaches financial literacy and fitness skills to entrepreneurs in any industry while looking to better understand their data so they can take charge of their businesses and lives. Tracy is dedicated to teaching others how to fish when it comes to their money management. She believes that with enough knowledge and confidence, financially fit entrepreneurs can redefine the world's economic future. So you guess it, today we're going to talk about money and more specifically financial management, or what she calls financial fitness. But before that, log on my website and download your copy of my ebook, The Entrepreneur Mindset, Seven Tactics to Avoid Being the Bottleneck in Your Business. And there's actually one tactic about, about money. <laughs> you'll, you'll find the link in the show notes. Hey, Tracy, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. I love talking about all things money. So I think we're going to have a great chat. <laughs> yes, and it's, and it's a very important topic, very underestimated, I, I would say. But mm -hmm. before we get, we get into it, could you tell us a little bit about your journey? Absolutely. So I'm based in Canada. I grew up on the East Coast in Nova Scotia and then over the years made my way to um, Toronto, Ontario. So kind of uh, the financial center of, of Canada. And when I was a kid, I was extremely entrepreneurial. I realized at a very young age that money could help you get things and do things that you wanted to do. Um, so I, I was participating in junior achievement, which is a program in high school where you are able to make your own company. So I had the further exposure there. I had my own little house sitting business when people were away on vacation. And so when it came time to go to university, I went to, um, to Queens University and, and took uh, commerce. And then I went on to do my MBA. And from there, I went on and started working in one of Canada's big five banks and was working with business owners to help them get access to financing that they needed. I always thought I would work there for a couple of years and fast forward 16 years went by uh, as, as does happen in financial services. There was some restructuring and my seat was taken away from the table. And so I took some time and decided to start my own business back in 2016. And so uh, put all the things that I love to do together. So helping people learn about money, keeping my work with business owners uh, and really helping people get the confidence that they need. And so it, it's been a really fun journey, lots of twists and turns. I've lived in different places in Canada um, throughout um, my career. And, and so I'm excited to see what comes next as I, I continue on with Visit Financial Fitness. So let's talk about that financial fitness. Oh, I like I like I like this step very much. I'm into sports, you know. So I know I know <laughs> fitness. What is what is financial fitness, and how did you come up with it? 
Well, most people know the term financial literacy. And I found that it always kind of set people back on their heels um, because automatically you're saying they're illiterate and there's something that is wrong with them. Um, When we talk about financial fitness, we're really thinking akin to the physical fitness. So we could be taking that first step off the couch. We're going to walk around the block physically. Maybe we're just starting to learn about bank accounts and what, what different ones are out there or what's a credit card. Or we can be further along on the spectrum. Um, Physically, we could be training to run a marathon. Uh, With financial fitness, we could be training to be a more sophisticated investor. So everyone is someplace on the spectrum of financial fitness. Uh, It's going to ebb and flow as your life goes on. And I want people to start from the positive, build on where you are. We can only move forward. So let's take those small imperfect actions and make it a lifelong journey that we're not embarrassed to start. We're starting where we need to be and everyone's at a different place in their financial fitness journey. And I think if we can get rid of some of that shame and embarrassment that comes along with with personal finance and business finance, we can help people um, really get equipped and then actually take steps forward and take control. But that's that's why it matters because Mm -hmm. they need to take control. You're talking about shame. Uh, with when it comes to financial uh, management, uh, why why is that? What what does this come from? Because I see the same with uh, with my clients, entrepreneurs. They, they don't want to talk about it. They they're afraid of talking about it. They're ashamed of talk, talking about it. Well, I, I think for some reason, business owners think they're supposed to know how to do it, how to know financial management and how to read their financial statements and how to manage their cash flow. Um, But I'm sure your school system is is similar to ours. The the personal finance that is taught is very limited. It it doesn't do a good job of educating people to even take care of themselves personally, let alone take care of their business. And most people start their business because they're passionate at what they do. And so if you're, you're passionate at providing a certain service or creating a certain product, finances is probably not your expertise. And unfortunately, people don't think of it as the same as I'm going to get sales training or help with my marketing or help with operations. When it comes to taking that plunge and and realizing I need help on the financial side, that shame and embarrassment comes, um, even though there's nothing to be embarrassed about. But for everybody listening, if that's an area of weakness for you and you need to strengthen, um, it's not your fault but two, it is your accountability. And so you've heard me say it here today. You've got to get on it. You've got to take control. It's your responsibility and you don't have to do it alone. Why it's your responsibility? Uh, You are are the one who is going to make everything work in your company, your financials, whether it's your cash flow, whether it's your sales or your profit, it all ties into all of the strategy that you have in your business. Uh, Especially if you're growing your company, growth is really hungry. And I I like to tell people it's kind of like a video game, like Pac-Man, it eats up cash as it's growing. So if you've got clients who pay you later and you've got a lot of receivables, the bigger your company grows, the larger um, the amount of cash you're going to have tied up in your receivables. If you sell a product-based business, you're going to have money tied up in inventory. And so bridging those timing differences and also fueling that growth, it's absolutely critical that you have the cash flow. And whether that's cash on hand or you have access to credit facilities to do it, You've got to figure out how to manage that. And I was working um, at the bank in 2008 when there was the financial crisis. Certainly, I've been working with lots of entrepreneurs during the pandemic. And I can tell you that companies go out of business in as quick as 90 days if they're not managing their cash flow. And it can happen that quickly. And and nobody likes to think it's going to happen to them. Um, But let's get ahead of it. Let's make some plans and have backup plans. So if things don't go as we expect, which is often the case, we have some backup plans to to make sure that we can reach our goals and keep our business running. Are you saying that entrepreneurs, basically they don't have the choice. They must be financially fit. 
Absolutely. And I don't think they need to do it alone. Yeah. Um, you certainly can get some assistance. You should have a bookkeeper. You should have an accountant and you may need a financial coach as well if you're trying to get up to speed yourself, but you can't just delegate to somebody else and say, they'll take care of it. Nobody is going to care more about this than you. And you need to understand so you can drive your strategies and be um, proactive and not just reactive when things are not going as they're supposed to. I love it. I love it because I, I, completely, <laughs> I completely agree with you. And it's a message that is not emphasized enough. So mm -hmm. uh, where, should, where should I start? Um, you should pull out your last financial statements. If you've been in business for a couple of years, read them. If you don't understand <laughs> the words on them, that's okay. Um, get some help. Get someone to walk you through them, whether it's your accountant, your bookkeeper, a financial coach. Take the time to learn the language. When we're talking about finances, there's another language. So if we were trying to learn Spanish or Portuguese, we would put in the practice. We'd have a daily routine. We'd build up our, our muscle in terms of learning that language. We've got to do the absolute same thing on financial management. If your books aren't up to date, you've got to get them current. You need to see your results on a monthly basis. And not just looking at the, the lagging stuff, like what happened before, we've got to start planning and actually look forward to what's going to be our cash flow situation this month, next month, five months into the future. Let's do some, some budgets so we can see where do we expect our sales to be? What are our expenses going to be? If we're thinking about hiring people or bringing on a new product line or new service, how are we going to do all of that? And so it's, it's a, a juggling act. And I think that um, you can develop really good routines on a monthly basis to be able to handle all those elements. Um, but it starts with taking that first step and, and staying the course. People are going to make mistakes, but you've got to stay the course and, and keep with it. Let's take that first step. I pull out my financial statement. I don't understand anything. What should I be looking at? Let's talk uh, I would the start, language a little bit. Yes, I would start with the income statement. It's also yeah. called a statement of earnings. It's also called a profit and loss or a P&L. Yeah. And it basically tells us all the sales we've made in the time period we're looking at. So for it's our annual one for the last 12 months, we're seeing all of our expenses. And then did we make any money? So we're seeing our profit. And I find that far too many business owners just look at the sales and that's great. We want to have sales, um, but we also need to make money. And I, I generally work with business owners. Sales are under 2 million. They're across all different industries and 85% of them are not pricing profitably. So they're pretty much losing money on everything that they're doing. And that's a problem because why work harder? Why sell more if you're going to lose money? And I've worked with many business owners during the pandemic who were actually able to reduce their sales, reduce their expenses and make the most money they've ever made in their business because they got very clear on what were they going to do. So first I look at my income, but then also I look, I look at my expenses, I guess. Can you tell us a little bit more about you know, what, what sort of elements I should be looking at in the expenses? Yeah, so you want to look at um, when I work with clients, I generally do an assessment for them. And so you're going to look year over year where there's some big changes or the things that you know are going to get more expensive. And a lot of things are just getting more expensive in the world. So we got to be prepared for that. Uh, it's in the news every day. So it's pretty hard to hide from all those price increases that are happening. Um, and we want to as well, if we have the opportunity to compare it to industry benchmarks. If you own a, a restaurant, there's pretty clear benchmarks around how much should your food cost be? How much should your labor cost be? And so working with someone like me, you can get access to those kinds of benchmarks. If you have credit facilities with a, a banking institution, they also have access to that. So you could talk to them about, for my industry, what are some of the key benchmarks that you see? And, and what should I, how am I doing compared to them? And they can help you. 
uh, with that. You want to go in from a place of confidence and credibility and say that you're, you're increasing your financial acumen and you'd love to have some more data to help you. You don't want to go in and say, I don't know anything. Can you please help me? Um, because you need to maintain that professionalism with the, with the lenders as well. And I, and I like I like the fact that you're mentioning data financial uh, financials as data because mm -hmm. like it's it's they are data indeed and data you're supposed to use data to make decisions right and that's Absolutely. that's where you can use this is where you can use financial data another thing that I see when it comes to uh, expenses often is that well there are two types of expenses as you know there's the the overheads or I think I think you refer to them as indirect cost I think and there are the the expenses that are linked to the projects or to, or to the products that you that you are that you are manufacturing, which are sales, uh, cost of sales or cost of, of goods sold, mm -hmm. whatever you call whatever you call them. A lot of the time, I see that entrepreneurs don't understand the importance of those cost of goods sold. Can you tell us a little bit more about them, then, please? Absolutely. So everyone could pull out a piece of paper and do it right now write down all of the costs that go into delivering what you do, whether it's a product, whether it's a service. So if it's a product, what are all the inputs if you're manufacturing it? If you're just um, bringing it in and reselling, what is the cost of that? Is there shipping? Is there freight? Uh, is there labor involved? Uh, and make sure you're including the right amount for labor. So often if people are paying their employees an hourly wage, they're not thinking about, oh, what's the hourly wage inclusive of benefits and vacation and all of that stuff. So they're actually starting out with an underestimated number. If you are a service-based provider and you provide the service yourself, how much are you factoring in for yourself? And that's usually where people fall down in their analysis because they say, well, it's my business. I can work as much as I want. Let's start with at least how much would you have to pay someone else to do it in place of you? Let's get real on the cost because you only have finite time. So we've got to make sure that we're charging for that. And um, a lot of times business owners are not making money when they take kind of the, the price of the, the item minus those cost of goods sold or those costs that go into it, let alone covering the overhead that makes everything go like the subscriptions you need um, for your website, for, for the graphic design software, for uh, insurance, all those kinds of things in you, you need in your business, whether or not you sell anything or not. Uh, if you rent a space, your landlord doesn't care if you made a sale, they still want their rent. Um, so you've got to be thinking about all of that and, yeah. and be able to, to factor it in. And so if you're, if you can do this up front, if you're just starting your business, work through a business plan, figure out this costing and pricing, um, then you have the opportunity to say, well, you know what, I want to do this, but I need to charge this higher amount. Maybe you need to pivot the clients you're going to target. And, and you can still do this as well when you're in business. And, and so many clients I work with, as I said, they're, they're not pricing profitably. We, we talk about how can we increase prices? How can we reduce cost of those cost of goods sold? Or how can we target a new market? Uh, it's not about throwing out everything of our business. It's about getting clear and making sure that we're we're, we're doing what we set out to do. Uh, if you ask business owners, what are their goals for the business? Did you want to make a profit? Sometimes they don't say yes, because they never thought about it that way. But you've got to number one, take care of yourself, make sure you're making enough money to cover your personal life. But you've also got to make money um, to pay employees if you have them fuel the growth of the business and, and keep it as a, a living entity. And so there's lots of responsibility there. And if you don't understand the numbers, you, it, it becomes very challenging to know what's happening. Um, but once you know those numbers, you get clear on costing, um, you can get a very defined strategy in your business and make sure that when you're doing things, it's for the right reasons and, and you're going to be successful. 
I agree. I remember, you know, when I started uh, running companies, I didn't have any financial literacy. So I learned, I learned on, the, on the spot. And suddenly, you know, a lot of options, I discovered a lot of options in front of me. It made, it made <laughs> so much more sense. And it is not, I have to say, it is not as difficult as it sounds. Mm -hmm. No. It's, it's just you need to understand the mechanism. And once you understand the mechanism, you can have, you can have professional, professional content to do all the bookkeeping for you. Yes. But as, as long as you are able to understand the mechanism and you are able to read the, do the documents. Yeah, I will I'll tell you, Laurent, um, so many business owners will say they don't know anything about yeah. their financial situation. And uh, I'll ask them how long they've been in business. So some will tell me six months, three years, five years, 10 years, 20 years. And I'll tell them, you know how to manage cash flow. Because whether you do it the way I do, whether it's efficient, whether you can talk about it eloquently or properly, the sheer fact that you are still in business tells me that you do have, know how to manage the money that's coming in, the money that's going out and those timing differences that they happen. You know how to do it. You maybe just haven't put your mind to it, but you're doing that mentally all the time and juggling everything to make it work. Um, so we usually start on that positive foot that you do know how to do it. Let's do it better. Let's do it more efficiently. Uh, let's get you talking about it in the right way, but you've got that skill. So let's build upon the skill you've already have. So that's a good that's a good transition to my next question. <laughs> the cash flow. How, why is it so important and how to make it better? Absolutely. So it doesn't need to be fancy. I mean, certainly there's cash flow projection tools in accounting software. Um, but I think if we couldn't sit down and have a conversation with a piece of paper and start mapping the money that's coming into our account, the money that's going out on a certain um, basis and figure that out, typically people do it on a monthly basis. So how much money is going to come in? Um, if you sell to corporate and you maybe have, um, you issue your invoice one month and you get paid two months later, you need to factor in that time delay when you're thinking about when is the money going to hit your account. So we think about all the places cash is going to come into our bank account because we're talking about the cash right now. Then we need to think about all the cash that's going to leave for those variable expenses like labor, input costs, all those fixed expenses. What are the dates those are going to happen? And then when we, we put our starting position, add what came in, subtract what's going out, we're going to see where we end up. And so typically people do it on a monthly basis. If your cash flow is really tight, you go down to weekly. And if it's very tight, you go down to daily. And I've worked with clients who have to do it on a daily basis um, because they're, they're struggling in their businesses at that point and they need to, to be able to accurately measure cash flow so they don't make a mistake in terms of which bill they pay today, um, how do they keep things running. And it's a little bit of work to get it set up at the beginning, but once it's set up, it's maintenance. And it allows you to, especially if you do it in Excel, say you were thinking about launching a new product or you want to bring on a new employee in a couple months time, you can save a new version of this. Let's put that salary in there. Let's see what happens to your cash flow. Um, what would you need to do to be able to bring that person on? If you're going to be tight, maybe you're going to save up some cash for the next couple months so that you can afford to pay them while they're ramping up in their role. And especially if they're going to be in a sales role, sales are going to lag. So you're going to need to pay them for a couple months before they're, they're able to um, produce for you. But within minutes, you can save that what if version and actually use it as a tool to help in your decision making. And it's not going to be perfect, but I can tell you it absolutely increases your confidence. It gives you um, direction in terms of where to go. If we're forecasting cash flow and we see that in months three, four, five from now, we're going to have challenges, we can proactively think of ways to solve that. Can we get access to a line of credit? 
Uh, can we increase sales activity right now? Can we bring someone new on board to help us so we can deliver more? There's a multitude of options. And when you have time, you can come up with way more options than when it's the day of you can't make payroll or you're not able to make loan payments or rent or whatever the case. Um, being able to do that in advance is very empowering. And I can see the stress like visibly lift off a business owner's shoulders um, because while you may not feel like you're thinking about it all the time, when you've got financial issues, half of your mind is always on them. You're not focusing on your clients. You're not focusing on your family. You're not sleeping well. And so let's get the focus back where it needs to be. So you can be the, the business owner um, that, that you started out with that clear focus and, and on client delivery for what you need to do. Again, absolutely agree with you. I do it for my, I do it for myself. I'm a solopreneur. So everybody can do it. Everybody should do it. I have this mm -hmm. cash flow forecast file. I look at a month. You know, mm -hmm. my, my forecast file goes to up to eight weeks, but I realize I don't need eight weeks. It's way too long. I don't have a lot of expenses, but every Monday morning, that's what I do. The first thing I do is that I look at my cash flow uh, cash flow forecast for the week and for the for the upcoming weeks, and I make all the payments on usually on a, on a Monday morning. And like you said, it's a relief because mm -hmm. I can anticipate and I don't have to think about it anymore. And if I have some cash flow issues, well, I can plan them. I can, yeah. I, I, I can plan around my, my issues. Yeah. Yes, yeah, if you've got a lot, you carry a lot of receivables for those dealing with corporates, um, you might have a flaw in your system. Maybe you're not following up on collections. Um, something really simple that I, I see a lot of business owners, like they'll just put on their, their invoice, um, do within 30 days. Why? Do upon receipt. That's a very quick change. And not everybody's going to pay you within that day they get it. But there's going to be a lot more people who pay you rather than waiting the 30, 40, 50 days. Um, it can be very subtle changes. Um, shooting a reminder email. Hey, did you, did you get your invoice? Do you need me to resend it to you? Um, if it's getting a little bit longer, a phone call. How, how would you like to pay today? And uh, it's not about you having cash flow problems. That's not the point of the call. You had an agreement with that customer you delivered, now they need to pay, which is their end of the deal. And, and how are they going to do that? And so it allows you to really refine things and, and speeding up collections is one way that's very easy uh, for business owners to get on top of if they've let it kind of be lax. Another tool that we, I would like to talk about because I see it's, it, it's lacking a lot. It's a budget file. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us what is a budget and why do we need a budget? Yeah, and I actually recommend that business owners do a budget before they do their cash flow. Um, so a budget really looks at a certain period of time. We're typically going to do it on a monthly basis. We're going to try to forecast our sales. And so ways that we can do that, we might look at our historical results. We might look at what we have in our pipeline in terms of activity, people we're talking to, and we're going to try to peg out some numbers in terms of how much sales are we going to do per month. Um, that's the hardest part of a budget. The easier part is actually the expenses because a lot of things are very consistent every month. You pay the same amount for insurance. You pay the same rent. Um, your subscriptions, whether they're annual or monthly, you pay the same. The only things that may change are those cost of goods sold. So how much, uh, if I'm delivering some kind of service, how much labor has to go against the sales that I'm forecasting. And so we don't need to be perfect. We might actually develop some uh, percentages that go with sales. So if I know my cost of goods sold is normally 50% of my sales, I'm not going to get into every little line item. I'm just going to do 50% and, and be able to forecast that. And again, doing it the first time takes a little bit of time because you're just getting used to it. You've got to look up those numbers, uh, but then you've got it and you can maintain it. From there, you can then look at your sales and say, okay, 
I invoice all these people this month. Do they pay me at the time of service or, or sale of the item or do they pay me later? Now I take that information to my cash flow. And so I highly recommend the budget first, then the cash flow. Ideally, if you can do it for a year, your, your budget, um, but however long you're comfortable with, certainly during the pandemic, things have been very, very fluid and people have had to change their businesses a little bit or reprioritize or refocus, but at least get three, four months in there and then keep building on it. Yeah. And I would add on top of that, like the, the sales part, it's, a, it's the most difficult aspect because it's, very, mm -hmm. it's always very difficult to estimate how much you're going to sell. But at least it gives you putting it in a budget. I find for me, it gives you, it gives me like a direction. I'm like, yes. okay, I got a, I got a target. Now, whatever the target is, how am I going to reach that? You know, and then I can make a plan. I can have a strategy, uh, yes. I can set up a strategy, uh, implement tactics around, around, around it. It's also a good accountability tool for yourself because mm. if you don't ever write down a number, then if nothing happens, you don't need to take any action. But it's very motivating to take action then every day against that sales goal when you're not hitting it. Uh, because you're like, I said I was going to get this amount. I better make some calls today or I better do those things that I know drive opportunities. The other great thing with your budget is that um, if you are working with a bookkeeper, you're doing it yourself and you've got accounting software, you can input that budget into your accounting software. And so that when you look at your actual sales and expenses, your income statement for a month, you can compare it to the projection. And that's just going to spit out of the accounting software. So now you've got even more empowering information in front of you um, that didn't take you too long to do. It's not supposed to take a whole lot of extra time but it's to give you again, those data pieces so that you can make plans and adjust strategies. So, well, thank you. That's that, I think that was very, very clear, very detailed. Um, and you worked with entrepreneurs now for more, more than 20 years. Yes. You know? what, are, what are some of the key questions that you, know, you see they have or the key questions they should ask themselves and they, are, they don't? <laughs> yes. uh, so number one, um, how much money am I actually making? Um, right. that, that needs to be answered. And so um, most times, as I said, it, it's not positive. So we got to think about that. The, another key question is how much money do I need to make from this business to support my life? Um, because one of the mistakes that business owners make very often is there's this constant transferring between personal and business account or, or worse yet, everything's in one account. And that's a big mess. And that's a no-no. Um, you want to, even if you're not incorporated, you want to make sure you separate those, have two different bank accounts so everything's running cleanly. But how much, be realistic about how much money do I need to make to support my life? Especially if you have a family, you've got kids, you're trying to save for your retirement, their education, all kinds of different things. Um, you've got to be clear on what's that number so that if your business isn't delivering, what are you going to do? And I just had this conversation with an entrepreneur last week because their business isn't delivering right now. And I was asking them how long they're going to be able to carry on at this rate because they're depleting their existing savings to make it work. It's been a few years. How are they going to fix this? Um, the other thing I, I would say is um, think of some standard questions that you could ask an accountant, a bookkeeper, any other kind of financial professional, even your, your account manager at a bank. Um, some standard ones that you don't need to know a lot, but you can get really good answers from. So a couple might be, when you look at my statements compared to others in my industry, what jumps out to you? What's good? What's bad that I'm doing? When you, you look at my numbers, what would keep you up at night? Leverage their expertise to, to help you. What would you do more of? Because you can see it's working well. 
Um, and, and so leverage those kinds of questions so that you don't need to be silent and not ask anything. Start with those really open-ended ones. And then when they, they follow up with an answer, you can go back and say, well, tell me more. What do you mean by that? Where do you see those numbers on the statement that tells you that? Or, and then you can fill in the gaps because you've been running the business, you know the story. And it's a way, number one, to, to make sure you understand your statements. Two, to make sure your statements are accurate because sometimes we don't share all the financial information that's relevant with our bookkeeper, which leads to statements that don't tell the whole story. But it also allows us time to practice and increases our, our confidence and credibility, um, not only for ourselves, but in the eyes of that person that we're working with. Do they have any questions around how to finance growth? You know, Absolutely. Access to finance. Yeah. Yeah. But, and, and a lot of people, the business owners, they think of uh, access to credit kind of last, like when they're in that crunch of growth, that's when they think of it. And yeah. I highly recommend that business owners seek credit as soon as they start their business. Yeah. And so typically it, it's going to be based on your per personal credit history at that point in time, but get, get a, a credit card in the company name, get a small line of credit or overdraft kind of facility um, to bridge timing gaps, get that set up as soon as you can so that you're developing the credit history for the business so that it, your credit can grow as the company grows, that people know you, they have a relationship with you, you have a track record of paying bills on time. And so it's really important to start the clock on that. A lot of entrepreneurs do bootstrap, they, they make it work and, and it's very challenging and it, it, it can be challenging to get financing for a new business. So also look for grants, look for contests. Um, sometimes you can get forgivable loans. Certainly during the pandemic, there were lots of different sources of funds available. There are, especially for, for women and um, visible minorities, there's a lot of special programs out there for financing for business owners. So look for all of those opportunities and, and don't kind of shut your eyes to it. Don't just think, oh, I can do it myself. Having uh, funds available, whether it's in cash or access to credit, allows you flexibility. So if there are those times when you need some help, you've got it already as a part of a solution versus trying to get it when you absolutely need it. And it is a lot harder uh, if you've got a desperate need for it. I, I, I like it. So start thinking about access to finance or credit mm -hmm. from, from, from the beginning. Don't wait until you, you need it. And you're also saying don't necessarily go and, and stick uh, VC money. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it depends on your business, depends on its growth trajectory, and that might be your your path. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily the first path. All right. Well, we've been talking a lot a lot about financial fitness. <laughs> Let's go back to you a little bit. Uh, you're an entrepreneur yourself. What does it mean to be an entrepreneur for you? Well, I think it means having confidence in what you your skills are and what you offer. Um, being a bit of a risk taker, and I like to think of it more like calculated risk. Um, so when I started my business, there was a whole bunch of things I had to learn. There was a, not, a lot I knew, but a lot of things I didn't. So being able to take calculated risks, having the ability to be resilient and get up every single day and, and start the day fresh, no matter what happened yesterday, and being able to juggle a lot of things at once how, and still get clear on what are the biggest priorities I have today that are going to drive my business forward. And by no means am I perfect at any of those, um, but, but certainly I'm, I'm hanging in, I'm, I'm helping people, I'm, I'm doing well. Um, so when you can juggle all of those things and, and still have some fun, I think that's what makes being an entrepreneur the best. What have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur? <laughs> uh, lots. <laughs> uh, number one, you have to give up perfection. So especially in my last role uh, 
inside the bank, um, what we did was for external directors of the organization, things had to be pristine and perfect. Um, if I was ever going to have any success in my business, I had to get to my like 75% and get going with things. So at the beginning, I took too long doing things. So I remind myself of that regularly. And um, if you wait till it's perfect, you probably missed your moment. Um, so, so move on with that. Um, certainly needed to expand my network and to fill it with people who were in similar kinds of positions as me, people more advanced in their business, um, because I had mostly friends who were, were doing corporate type jobs. And so I had to find a new, new network because you can't do it all alone. Um, being curious and being ready to learn has certainly um, helped me um, because you, there's so much to learn and realizing that, yes, I can learn everything, but should I? And, and you have to keep asking yourself that question. That's a good word. That's a good word. <laughs> yeah, I, I can learn everything, but how long is it going to take me? And then how long is yeah. it going to take me to do it? And that yeah. really ties in the finances. A lot of business owners think they have to do their own bookkeeping. And I, I challenge them to throw that, that idea right out the window because you can understand it, but is it the best use of your time? You're probably better off looking for sales and creating relationships and building that network than you are doing those hours of bookkeeping a month. Yeah, however, you should learn about financial fitness, though. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You got to be responsible for the numbers, but you don't need to do the one who does the data entry. Nice way, nice way to putting it. To put it. <laughs> so you also have a podcast called I Young do. Money. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. So throughout my life, uh, I knew from a very young age to be very unemotional about money. I knew that it could get you things and help you do things. I think that it is one life skill that um, our schools don't teach very well. And so the podcast is geared towards those 18 to 30-ish. We have lots of older people who listen, parents, grandparents, and just other people who are trying to better their education. Uh, we've been going strong since December 2017. So we just um, issued episode 238. It's weekly. And I tie anything into money. So we have a lot of fun episodes, just had some around the Super Bowl, uh, even did one, uh, we're celebrating Fraud Prevention Month in Canada, even though we want to be wary all year round, we celebrated in March, I just did an episode on how a friend of mine was kind of turning the tables on fraudsters. So we can have some fun with some serious topics. And then we've got some great guests. Um, so I usually alternate between a, a training for me and a, and a guest interview. And just want to bring lots of perspectives so people can take control of their financial fitness, take those forward actions, and figure out the path to wealth for themselves. Because it's not like 20, 30 years ago where you're going to get a job and just keep working and, and things are going to sort themselves out. Uh, some people are going to become entrepreneurs. Some people are going to start in a job, move different companies, or maybe leave for entrepreneurship. Think about um, diversifying all your revenue sources when you're an individual and and so we talk about all kinds of things and it, it's really fun. What is the one practical recommendation here? I insist practical. <laughs> you would give to any entrepreneurs out there. Know your numbers, know them, be able to use them to make decisions, make sure the data is of high quality, get someone to help you if you need it, but you've got to be accountable and know your numbers. Of course you would say that. <laughs> the other the other one that's not numbers related is um, is one I have to remind myself all the time is, to make an offer a day. You've got to always be focused on your pipeline and your sales and developing those leads. So make an offer a day, no matter what business you have, whether it's a social post, whether you're on the phone with someone, whether you're emailing, make that offer every day. I think I'm going to steal that from you. Never thought about this. Oh, I like even, <laughs> even to get new listeners, tell someone about your show. Um, yeah. Whatever you can do, you've got to be your best promoter and you've got to ask for business or, or people 
they, they hear about it, but they don't necessarily take action. People like to be invited. All right, then. Last question. How can people contact you? Best place to reach me is on LinkedIn. So Tracy has an E and Visit has two S's, two T's. Um, so would love to hear comments, questions um, from today's interview. And uh, certainly lots of great resources. You'll find the link there to my website, to um, the Young Money Podcast, as well as um, do a live show, Biz Money Talks, to showcase information for entrepreneurs. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tracy, for your time today. It was amazing. Thank you so much. It's been really fun. And thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode, subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any. See you next time. Bye for now.